If you remember, we've continued throughout the weeks to say that there are different um, stands on, on the rapture and, and so forth, whether it's pre-mid or post. Obviously, if you look at this one clearly, um, this is basically a, um, a timeline of, of pre-rapture, then trib, um, then millennial, and everything that comes from millennial on. So, so that's what this paper is. Um, now, if, if, if people want to move that rapture around, they could stick it in the middle, they could stick it at the end, they could do whatever they want with it. But this is definitely um, um, a, pre, uh, a pre-trib um, outline. So you guys, um, as you have that little timeline there, um, it's for you. You could have it, and um, you could look it over and, and stuff like that. So it's a little gift for you guys that one of our sisters was able to print out and, and give to all of us. So, so enjoy that. Um, if you guys remember, we, we've discussed somewhat of the rapture and how it was going to be. <clears throat> it was going to be quick. Um, we talked about that Greek word. We talked about how there's going to be a snatching away, a rapturing up, a being caught up. Um, we discussed that um, we need to be ready. One of the things that we discussed was to be watchful and ready. Remember those two words? Be watchful and ready. Um, now more than ever, the Protestant church is being, there. We're, we're doing what? We're watchful and ready because we're seeing what's happening all over the world. We're recognizing um, the events that are taking place. We're, we're seeing Israel. We're seeing the Middle East. Um, we're just seeing a lot of things being stirred, and um, we can't ignore those things. We need to recognize that um, some of these things uh, will continue, and some of them will continue to get worse as they go on in the years maybe to come. Um, so I, uh, as we continue to go through this, I feel like it's, I want to continue to remind you guys, it's important that we do this um, because not many people are speaking of the times that are to come. Something that I want to do with you guys today, it's, well, what would it be like? What will the tribulation be like? Because there are many passages in Scripture that the tribulation is described in how it's going to be like. I have many people that I know. I'm going to give you a perfect example. I know people that say, well, when I go to hell, I'll just go and I'll conquer hell and have a good time in hell with all my friends. Okay? They're wrong. (laughs) They're very wrong. Because in the lake of fire... They're not going to have a good time. And in the lake of fire, not even Satan will have a good time. The Antichrist, no one. Um, scripture does very well in describing what that lake of fire is going to be like. Now, so many people with that same mindset say, well, if I'm here during the tribulation, then, then they, they say the funniest things. And I just look at them and say, no, it's not going to be anything like any days that you've ever seen here on planet Earth. For those years that... That will happen here on planet Earth will be the worst days that this planet will ever experience, ever. And we need to be prepared for that and, and in the sense of preparing others and telling them what's ahead um, because that's very important. After we've discussed this timeline, many people came up to me and said, uh, <laughs> I will never forget one phone call I actually got and I said, me and my wife were talking and, and we don't even know if it's... <laughs> If we should even have children now. And, um, you know, we laughed it off and stuff. But it's true, you know. These are the times that we're going to go through. I, the thing is, I tell them, yeah, but what happens if it's not soon? And then you miss out on being a parent. You can't live like that with that fear. You know, you got you to gotta live knowing that God has you, that God's going to take you, God's going to protect you guys, and, ra- and do your best to raise your child in the ways of the Lord and, and, and just offer them up to God. So I've had some funny conversations as we've been discussing this end times. Um, there's so many different views about the end time events. Uh, I don't know if you've ever asked, well, why is there so many um, different views? With all these different views, we know what 1 Corinthians 14, um, 33 teaches us. And it tells us that God is not the author of, anyone know what the word is? Yeah, he's not the author of confusion. And a lot of times when people begin to talk about their views and where they stand at when it comes to this kind of stuff, um, that word confusion is, is used very often. They get confused. And there's nothing to get confused about here. Um, it's stuff that's going to happen, and it's stuff that we must be ready and watchful for. Um, if you guys remember, I'm going to say last week a lot, cause I'm, cause I, but I mean the last time we talked about this, so two weeks ago. I, I discussed how we're watchful and we're ready. We discussed how the bride and the spirit, okay, the bride is connected with the spirit there. And what is she crying out? What is she saying? What is the bride of Christ, of the groom saying? You guys remember? 
We said she's crying out, come. And, and that's what the bride that is waiting for the Lord to come for her is doing. She's just saying, Lord, I'm ready. Come. Come quickly. And, and there's nothing to be confused but just to be ready and watchful, to stay looking up and say, Lord, just come. Just come and, 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 and just let it all be. So there's so many different views. It's don't, I don't want you to be confused about all these different views. Um, I want you to make sure that you understand. Um, I give you this timeline today with 1 Corinthians 14.33 in mind so you could have some sort of um, timeline structure of, of what's going to be going on. Now, if you have your Bibles, you, uh, we're going to look at real quick uh, Daniel uh, chapter 12, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 4. Daniel 12, 1 through 4. Daniel 12, 1 through 4. Uh, God kept many of the mysteries of the church times and different ages and how he worked. These are real conversations. Guys, I wish I made up things, you know, when I came up here. Today I had a conversation with a believer, okay, if you want to call this person a believer. And we were arguing about wives, not about our wives, but about wives. And he's like, in the Old Testament, Solomon had hundreds of wives. So I'm praying for my 15 wives. I said, you're not a golly man if you think you could have more than one woman. And I'm going into text and scripture with him. And there's just people that are just so out there, you know. Uh, they just don't get it, and, 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 and I have to try to teach this guy the way that God was dealing with mankind during that time, and, and I don't want to get so lost in words and these words called dispensations and dispensationalism, and, and that's a big word, and what that word is is God dealing with certain people during certain periods of time, and, and, and the Old Testament, God was dealing a certain way, amen? And throughout history, you see that God is dealing. And then when the tribulation comes, God is going to deal in those days of tribulation different than he's dealing today in 2014. It's not going to be the same way. And that's where the word um, dispensation comes as we read that in Scripture. So God keeps a lot of these mysteries of his dealings um, from previous ages. And, and, and it's a side note. We see that in Ephesians chapter 3, in verses 3 through 9. I won't go through it for the sake of time. But Paul writes about that, how God is dealing with the ages and how he deals differently with each age. And on purpose, he seals many of the truths, uh, especially many of them concerning what is called the tribulation. Uh, I'm going to read Daniel so you can see what I'm talking about. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise and there will be a time of distress, such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. I mean, you could just stop right there, and you could already see how Daniel was already prophesying of the times to come. Look what Daniel was saying already. Daniel is prophesying of the days to come, and he uses the phrase, at that time. That phrase right there is, at the end of time. When, when, when these end of the end times were to come to place. Michael's going to stand up and he calls him the great prince. Obviously, it says, who stands and watches over your sons of your people. Who is Michael watching over? Who is Michael protecting? Who is Michael this guardian angel of, if you want to call him? Anyone know? Okay, he continues to do what kind of ministry with whom? Who are the people that he's dealing with a lot? With Israel. Michael's dealing a lot with Israel. Okay? So when you look at this angel called Michael in the Bible, we see that he deals a lot. As a matter of fact, if you study in Revelation, he is the angel that comes and defeats Satan and throws him, okay, into the lake of fire. And, and when you look at that, who's the one that does it? Michael. Why? Because Satan and his armies were going to come to attack. Want to take a guess? Israel. And Michael was not going to let, let Satan and his armies, the Antichrist and his armies, to mess with the people that he guards and protects. Israel, and he does away with them. God doesn't even, do you understand this? I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to forget all the tribulation. God doesn't even need to deal with Satan. Do you get that? Because Satan is not a God. Satan is an angel. So what does God do? He assigns Michael, take care of that guy. Sometimes, don't we do that as Christians? Let's be honest. The dark side and the light, right? Darkness and light and evil and good. And we compare Satan to God and we Put Satan as a God. That is wrong. That's an error of the Christian mind. If we ever think that Satan is God or a kind of God, Satan is not. He is a fallen angel that will be destroyed. Can I get an amen? And Michael will do that. God doesn't have to waste his time. 
Jesus doesn't have to waste his time. They, Satan, I'll destroy you with one look. So I sense Michael. So, so look what Daniel says. This great prince who protects your people, he will arise, and it says, and there will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Look what he's saying. It's going to be a horrific time, this time of the tribulation. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found, whose found name, who is found written in the book will be delivered. Verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some of everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine. I love how he uses the word wise here. Will shine. Let me stop. I preached two weeks ago and I said that the fear of God is the what? Is the beginning of wisdom. If you were here that Sunday, I preached that. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And those who are wise, what do you, why do you think they were wise? Come on. Because they lived with a fear for God. So people are like, how do I know if I'm the bride? Do you fear God? Do you live in the fear of God? Now, are you shaking? Are you timid? Are you scared before God? That's not what I mean. But do you live in reverence before God, in holiness before God? The, the Bible says, be holy for I am holy, God says. And Paul calls the church to what? Be holy. As I what? Follow him and he is holy. Be holy. And, and we see how holiness, this fear for God. And here is Daniel and he says, those who are wise, they will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness, look what he describes them as. Like the stars, like the stars forever and ever. Let's keep going. And then it goes on. And he says this, but you, Daniel, and he's speaking to him now. The Lord is speaking to him. And he says, you close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. And it says, many will go here and there to increase in this knowledge. So when you see this, here's God speaking to Daniel in the Old Testament. Way before John is ever in the island writing Revelation. Way before then, God is already confirming it. And putting it in Daniel. And Daniel is putting it on paper and writing it. And as he's writing about these last days, even God right here says, now shut it up. You, you, you shut up these words, seal this book until it's time. Until it's time. And then he says, many will run, fro, to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I like that verse, and knowledge shall increase. Today I'm on the way to a luncheon with my school. And we were talking about technology, me and another friend of mine who's a pastor. Have you noticed how knowledge has increased in these days? I mean, I mean it blows your mind. We're living in these days. We're living in the days where knowledge has increased. Where, where, where things, we have things that, I mean, this year for the first time, me at least, I got to teach students from an iPad to their iPad because in their iPad they have a textbook of my class. So now I don't give that class a, a textbook. That drives me nuts. They don't flip pages now. They got to click on an iPad. And then they're allowed to do assignments on their iPad and email it to me. And then now I have to open up my iPad to see their work that they've done everything on their electronic through my electronic so that I could put it in an electronic so that when they get home, they open up their electronic and that electronic reveals to them what they got. All this work through electronic. I truly believe that it's the times that knowledge has increased. I truly believe that. I truly see how this has happened. So as we look at Daniel, Daniel begins to describe Michael. Daniel begins to describe these days that are going to happen. He, he talks about there's going to be a time of distress that has not happened on this earth ever to this day. The people whose name is written on his book, they're going to be delivered. They're going to shine. They're wise. And then we see finally Jesus compares his return. And he begins to talk. And he compares it into watches. And I love how I shared with you guys maybe two weeks, three weeks ago, how one day he's going to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we were blessed to go towards that area. And he tells a couple of his disciples, three of them. He says, stay here. He says what to them? He says, watch and pray. And he leaves them. And he comes back. And what does he do every time he comes back? Three times it happens. He finds them what? Sleeping. 
And you would think they got it after the first time, right? Like, ah, oh, I got kind of rebuked. By, not your pastor, not your friend, not your brother in the Lord. By Jesus rebuked me. And they come a second time, he finds them sleeping again. The third time, he's like, oh, you guys just don't get it. And what is one of the things that Jesus tells them? He says, be watchful. Pray and be watchful. But he says something right after that. What does he say? Okay. Lest you what? Lest you enter, lest you fall into temptation. Did you notice that? When I look at that story of Jesus and what happened there with his disciples falling asleep, I think it meant more. I think it was just more than them falling asleep. I think it was more. Yes, in a couple minutes, Judas was going to come with all his suckers and deliver him up. We know that. We know that for a fact. But I think Jesus was talking more than that because he knew what was coming. He knew he was going to be delivered up. He knew he was going to give himself up. I know that. You want to know why I know that? Because they said, what, what did Jesus do? When they came to him, he says, who are you looking for? He went up to them. And they said, we're looking for, for Jesus of Nazareth, the one who calls himself the Messiah. He says, I am what? I am he. So he, del- he delivered himself. He de- man didn't grab Jesus. He delivered himself unto man. He could have said, I-, I think he passed by and just walked away and run. But he delivered himself and says, I am he. And I-, I don't think it was really about all that. I think it was about what he was teaching them over here. And he says, watch, be watchful, be watchful, be watchful, be watchful, lest you enter into temptation. And then we find ourselves here. And Jesus begins to explain to his disciples, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And we see that his disciples even get bothered. What do you mean you're going? We're going to have to conquer Israel. <laughs> the Romans. And he's like, no, you got this whole thing wrong. My, our citizenship is in here. I'm going to go now to be with the Father, and I'm going to build many places for you. But I will send one who will be a comforter and a helper to you. And he begins to teach them how he was going to come again. And he talks about different watches in Scripture. He mentions even the word watch numerous times. And I truly believe that we see those things in Scripture for that last segment of what comes after watch, unless you enter into temptation. And I've seen in these days how there are people who are not living watchful in their Christian walk. And because of that, they're entering into their temptation, and their temptation is swallowing them up. And many are strained from the faith. I'm telling you right now, these days are coming. These days are upon us, and we need to be ready for them and watch lest we enter into temptation. Amen? So, so as we jump into this, so what's this tribulation going to be like? Here's Daniel, and here's Jesus telling us to be watchful. Let's not enter into temptation. Well, let's talk about what it's going to be like. I'm going to ask you to um, go to look back at Daniel chapter 12, which you should have open or have it nearby. And we're going to go into verse 1 again, and then I'm going to go to Matthew 24, 15. Daniel 12, 1, and Matthew <clears throat> um, 24, 15. As I discussed ages, God has sent um, various judgments upon the earth. And um, give me, uh, so I don't have to even read these things. Give me, give me some of the ways that God, we saw God's judgment upon the earth. Can anyone think of any? The who? The plagues. Um, the, the children of Israel with the plagues in the Old Testament. Good. The flood with who? With Noah. Very good. There's more if you think about it. Noah was a good one. How about, uh, how about Sodom and Gomorrah? Would you say that's God's judgment upon that land? Okay. So we can't run away from this fact and say, well, God is love. God would never do something like this. I want you to look at God not, I don't want you to look at God as, a, as what is it, uh, I want you to look at him as a 360. He, he, he is both judge and he is both, he is both love. In the judgment, you see wrath, but in his judgment, you see love. I love how scripture calls him. He is the lion and then he's a lamb. Like That's weird to me. Total opposites. Lions devour lambs. How can he be both? He's because like, I am. And in my judgment, I am both lion and lamb. But many people say, well, these days will never happen because God is love. And God would never send me to hell because God is love. Well, throughout the ages, God has sent various judgments upon the earth. Upon individuals, cities, nations. Okay, he's judged the whole earth. Um, We know with the flood. uh, I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Now, 
the prophet Daniel states uh, that there will never be anything like the great tribulation in past history, nor will there ever be in the time to come. I want to read this verse one more time. Uh, I'm going to read it out loud. If, if you have it there, just read it in your mind there with me. He says this, Daniel, at this time, Michael, this great prince, right, who protects your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. At that time, distress such has not happened. I'm going to read now Matthew 24. Look what Jesus says. Daniel, New Testament, Jesus. Watch what Jesus says. How's the tribulation going to be like, Jesus? Jesus, how's this stuff going to happen? What's going to, what's going to take place here? Well, watch what Jesus says. Ready? Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, you see it spoken of Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Keep going. He says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Sounds like a hurricane's coming, doesn't it? Sounds like a hurricane's coming. Don't leave the house. Board up the house. Make sure you get your canned foods. Everyone stay home. Go home. He's like, don't just, people need to run into caves. People don't even leave your house. It's going to be a horrible time. Look what you, guys, this is Jesus' own words. If you're reading a book with red letters, it's probably red right now. It says, Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe, danger, warning, caution. To those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. Keep going. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Yeah, you know, don't get in the air. Okay. For then there will be great, here it is, tribulation. And look what he says here. This is the part where I really want you to focus on. It's going to be a great tribulation. Such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. Who does he sound like there? What does it sound like? He sounds like what God told Daniel. Because he is what? He's probably the same one that told Daniel. He's God. So he tells his disciples what he tells Daniel there will never be anything like this since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever what? Shall be. I think there's one more, right? And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. A lot of people, we, we read these verses and we read Matthew and we look at this text. And Jesus says something in bold here. And he says, there's not going to be, in this day of the great tribulation, he says, there will be great distress. One translation says, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. When you look at the great tribulation, it's going to be a time of, we know that it's going to be horrible distress. That's what they keep saying to us. And this horrible distress is going to just shadow over, and it's going to overwhelm the whole earth. When you look at the Great Tribulation, the only thing that we could look at in Scripture that was similar to it to destroy the whole earth, the way the Great Tribulation, the way it's going to test this earth, the only thing that I could think of is the flood. It's the only thing I could think of in the Bible. And look at the, look at your, put yourself in, in the Scripture. Look at the damage that the flood caused. I, I would say it caused huge damage, killed everyone, killed everything. Saved Noah and his family and the creatures that were in it. But yet... But yet, when the great tribulation comes, there will never be any days like it. Times past or times present. What what is he really trying to say? Not even the days of Noah and his flood will be able to be compared to the great what? To the great tribulation. What is Jesus really saying? It's going to be worse. It's going to be worse than Lot's time with Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be worse than Noah's time when I flood the earth. It is going to be the worst time that this earth has ever ever gone through. And, and, and we see that right here. Jeremiah, who is a prophet in the Old Testament as well, Jeremiah prophesies about a time when God was going to bring charges against all the nations, not just against Israel. Because we always read scripture about God is going to judge Israel. And God is going to come against Israel. But Jeremiah talks about he's going to bring judgment up upon all the nation. 
and he's predicting what is this thing that we're talking about that has not been fulfilled yet. Let's read it real quick. Jeremiah 25, and we're going to read verses uh, 30, 31, 32, and 33. So 30 through 33. Jeremiah 25, 30 through 33. It says this. God tells Jeremiah, now prophesy all these words against them and say to them, the, uh, this passage is good, guys. The Lord will roar, because he's a, he's a what? He's not just a lamb. He's what? He's also a lion. So, so the Lord will, will roar from on high. I love how he's on high, right? We're already expecting to be. And he will thunder from his holy dwelling and roar mightily against his land. And he will shout like those who tread the grapes. Do you guys remember um, two weeks ago? In the end times, what are you going to hear? Remember we talked about three things? Said so you're going to hear the trumpet. But you, you also said you're going to hear a word of the Lord. You're going to hear a shout. In the New Testament, it talks about there's going to be a shout of the Lord that's going to come forth. Here's Jeremiah. And look what Jeremiah describes how this tribulation is going to take place. He says, he says this, shout against all who live on the earth will happen. Look at verse 31. The tumult, I don't know how this translation will say it. A noise will come to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations, and he will plead his case with all flesh, and he will give those who are wicked to the sword, says <coughs> the Lord. It's good. It's not good, but you get what I'm saying. And then he goes on and he says this. So thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster shall go from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the farthest parts of the earth, and at that day, the slain of the Lord shall be from one end to the earth, even to the other end of the earth. And they shall not be lamented or mourned or gathered or buried. And they shall become refuse on the ground. So waste on the ground. Is that the last one? Yeah, right? So when we look at this, at this passage right here, one translation says it this way. For the Lord will bring charges against the nations. He will bring judgment on all mankind, and he will put the wicked to the sword. And the Lord, and then he goes on, he says this. And this is what the Lord says. Look, disaster is spreading from nation to nation. A mighty storm is rising from the ends of the earth. And at that time, those who are slain by the Lord will be everywhere, from one end to the earth to the other end. And they will not be mourned nor gathered and are buried, but they will be like refused, like garbage just lying on the ground. I'm going to read another passage, and it's found in Luke chapter 21. And this is Jesus' very own words. And Jesus speaks about this same terrible day that Jeremiah is talking about. And in, Jer in Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36, look what Jesus says. I'll read from my translation, and then we'll read from this one, and then I'll, I'll read from another one that I have there. He says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day will come upon you unexpectedly. We went over this, if you remember. Keep going. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And then 36. And he says, watch therefore and pray. Same thing he told his disciples in the garden. Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and that you stand before the Son of Man. When you read Luke chapter 21, 34 through 36, and when you read Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 30 through 33, I truly feel that there's one word that we could describe that is being mentioned in Jeremiah and Luke, and it starts with a J, and it's judgment coming upon the land. All nations, all people from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. I mean, when you look at the times of the tribulation, there is nothing about the tribulation that ever looks pretty. There is nothing about the tribulation that ever looks hopeful to those especially that do not believe. Everything about the tribulation in Scripture from Daniel to Jeremiah and even here to Jesus is described as the worst moment and the worst times that this earth will ever face and then in revelation 3:10, he says this he tells this he says 
Since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come. And look what he says here. That is going to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. When we read this, we see that there's going to be a time of turmoil, times of war, times of murder. Someone's being killed. Times of plagues. When we read the next week, when we start going into Daniel's, um, when we go into Daniel's 70th week and stuff like that, and you're going to see it more clearly of what this is really talking about when we discuss Daniel's 70th week next week. And the prophecy of Daniel and what this really means during the tribulation, during this time. And, and, and we're starting to see it with Jesus' very own words. And he talks about how, how there's going to be a trial, there's going to be this judgment that's going to come upon the whole entire world to those who dwell. So what's going on in this tribulation? What's happening here? I'm going to tell you what's happening. It's God is saying this once and for all. Enough is enough. I'm ending this stuff once and for all. And we as the believers need to understand that God will say enough is enough. I stand on the point that I believe it's very soon. I really do. Enough is enough is what God is saying. And that is so clear through Daniel, through Jeremiah, through Jesus. When we go into the 70th week, next week, you're going to see it clearly in Daniel's prophecy that Jesus is saying enough is enough. I'm dealing with all the sin sinners in this world that continue to deny me. But in that seven-year tribulation, as we get into that, you're going to see that there's an elect. There's a group that's in there. There's a, there's, there's a group that's in there that, that rightly so defends the faith during the time of trial. But then there's a group that give themselves away to this mark of this individual. And many call it the mark of the beast, and that's what Scripture calls it. And it's a mark of man, and he calls it 666. And I've shared with you guys in weeks prior, I don't know whether it's going to be a chip in your forehead or a chip in your wrist. I don't know. But they said it's going to be a sign on your hand, on your wrist, and a sign on your forehead. I don't know if it's going to be something in there. Or if does, what does that really mean? Is there, will there be a chip? We know nowadays that there's chips that anyone could find you at any moment. We know that. We know that they put it, they ask you if you want to put in your child just in case your child is ever abducted. It's not this antichrist chip, but if your child ever gets abducted, so you want to put this chip so we can find them. They put it in animals. We know these things, that different states do this already. So we know that it could be a chip. What, what do you mean? Technology has gotten to the point that it can happen already. We're there. We're technology. Where the knowledge of man has increased. We're there. Or does it mean that their mind, the way they, they think, has sighted with this antichrist, with this world dictator, and how they think and how they live with their hands is only sold out to the ways of this dictator called the antichrist. Or could it be that? Because at the end of the day, God doesn't need a chip to determine whether you're his or not. God already knows the heart of every man that lives on this earth. So I don't know whether it's a chip. I don't know if it's a, it's a mindset and actions. Is that what the forehead and the hand is? Or is it a real chip? Who knows? But I know that those who side with this world dictator who will rise up during the tribulation, who, will be, who God, listen to me, who God will use to cause all this stuff, he's going to rise up. In Revelation 13, this dictator rises up. And John writes about him, and I'm just, just so I don't have to flip pages because sometimes the AC just blows it, um, the pages, and then I'm on a mission since... Since I have the mic in my hand, so I'll read it on the pad. He says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, ten horns, seven heads. A lot of this stuff means, you know, it's symbolism for stuff. It, it, guys, when you read Revelation 13, a beast is not coming out of the ocean. A beast is not going to rise up with ten horns and seven heads because we know very well that no one is going to follow that thing. We're going to run and be scared of it. Okay? So, so when the Antichrist comes and he has ten horns and seven heads, we're not going to be like, oh, look, it's the... He's not going to have that physically. Those are nations, okay? Don't worry about that right now. But so, so, so don't get like, oh, you actually believe that this stuff is going to happen? Yeah, because it's not really horns like you think. It's not really heads like you think. Ten diadems on its horns. And look what the Antichrist will do. And blasphemy... Let me lock this thing. 
and blasphemous names on its heads. I love that, blasphemous names. Because isn't he a blasphemer? His father is Satan. And what is Satan known as? The father of what? Yeah, he's just a blasphemer. Watch this. Verse 2, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Come on, who's going to take the mark of that thing? Obviously, it's imagery. It's stuff that means things. And to it, the dragon gave its power. Anyone know who the dragon is in Revelation 13 in this verse? The dragon is actually Satan. Satan, the dragon, gives this beast that is rising up now. I want you to see this. The tribulation is happening. And as the tribulation happens, there's this guy that comes in, this world leader, this beast that chapter 13 calls him. But he doesn't have any power yet. The moment he gets power is when who gives him power? When the dragon gives him power, Satan. Now, this is very important because people say, do you think the Antichrist is alive right now? He might be. <laughs> because I think it's close. I say, yeah, I think he's alive already. But what happens is this. Why isn't he out yet? Why hasn't he come and he, maybe he is. Maybe you've seen him already on TV. Maybe you've seen him in some sort of press conference. We don't know yet. But the reason why he doesn't have that power yet is because this time that God is putting before us has not happened yet. And Satan hasn't given him the power to become this world leader yet. You get, and God hasn't allowed it yet. So, so watch what it says here. The dragon gives him this power and his throne and he gives him great what? What does he say next? Great authority. So this is a, a very big figure, a person with power. This is an individual with authority. Obviously, we see already that this person is going to be a big-time political figure who is going to be a world leader because who else is going to have authority and power none other than a world leader, obviously. Like, I just can't rise up and say, hey, I'm all powerful and have all authority, and I'm going to sit on this throne from now on so all of you come. People are going to laugh at me, Okay. But this guy, they're going to play some. People are going to cry. You're going to see things. Hopefully not. Hopefully you're not here. But people people are going to see things. Magazines and Time magazines, they're going to call him Messiah, the new Messiah. And and I'm not knocking on any presidency, but I remember not that long ago, there was a president that ran and won. And I'll, I'll never forget that the media was saying, the Messiah of America, the Messiah, he's He's going to bring America back and the Messiah. I'm not going to tell you which president it is, but people began to say that. And I was like, he's not the Messiah of America. The Messiah of America is the same Messiah of Israel. The Messiah of this world is Jesus. It's never a man. And if one president in the United States, the media was already able to say the Messiah of America, what makes us think that the world will not cry out to a man, the Messiah of the world? It's going to happen. Just when? When God says go and Satan gives him the power. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen when wars are happening. What kind of wars? Well, well wars like, like Israel. Wars like Israel and Palestinians. Wars of land. Wars of holy sites. Wars that people call a holy war, which is used very frequently on CNN, Fox News, and every other kind of news station. Holy wars. And everyone's fighting for this land and for that land and stop bombing this land. These are our people and that's that people. And at the end of the day, well, they don't realize that all of that land and all of this place belongs to the living God. It doesn't belong to anyone but God. And until this nation, America, Israel, and every other nation bows down before the true and living God, they will not be saved. That's who this is all belongs to. This is all about God. This is not about the Antichrist. This is not about destruction for, for seven years. This is not about a rapture. This is, not about an, this is not about a millennial reign. Everything in the text of Scripture is always about God. Amen? It's always God-centered. It's God-centrality. It's Jesus-centered. And everything is Him being glorified. And there's a problem with this planet that we live in. God has not been glorified the way He should be. In nation among nation, Israel... We went to Israel and it was sickening that where it all started, everyone has backed away from the true and living God, from the Messiah. That in the land where Jesus walked and healed thousands, uh, fed thousands and, and, and preached to thousands and healed many, in that very own land, they're giving chance to pray to a false God. That's crazy. In, in our country where we were founded in the ways of God that they've taken out 
out of the courtrooms, out of the schools. They've taken out prayers. You could read any other book in the public school system, but don't ever bring to your reading class your Bible because your teacher will tell you you can't bring your Bible. Well, who says that you can tell me what book I could bring? I could bring one about Buddha, and I could bring one about atheism, but I can't bring one about Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's what's happening today. So this is all about Jesus not being glorified. So watch this. So, so let's get into this text real quick. So here is this dragon. He gives power. He gives him this throne. He gives him this authority. And on its head seems to have many mortal wounds. But its, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon. For he had given his authority to the beast, to this antichrist. And they worshipped the antichrist, the beast. And they said, who is like the beast? And who can fight what? What does that mean? Who can fight against it? What does that mean about the Antichrist? He's going to be backed up with what? Weapons? Huh? Massive what? Armies and nations. He is going to be so backed up by nations. Not even God could bring this man down. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Oh, there's a pastor. Uh, that I'm familiar with. He's very into the prophetic writings. And he was talking about Israel, how they've been finding more than ever birds just showing up to Israel in these days. Birds. It was crazy when I was reading the article. And I started to read it, and I was like, wow. And he begins to describe how birds are coming. And in Israel, these vultures are just showing up by the numbers. And the people in Israel are like, where are they coming from? And why are they coming to Israel? And, and I'm like... <laughs> I know why. Because there's going to be an army that's going to attack Israel and God's going to call the birds and they're going to eat up all the armies and all the flesh on Armageddon. That's why. And, and he begins to write how in Israel they're, they're complaining about these birds in their land and, and these vultures that are showing up by the numbers in Israel and, and that they haven't seen like that ever. And I'm just like, yeah, it's coming. It's, it's happening right before, right before our eyes. So, so here are these people and here is this Antichrist, and he is powerful, and who can fight against him, people will say. Well, the people will say that because he's going to have an amazing army. And he says, and the beast was given a mouth, <laughs> I love this, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, speaking great things and blasphemies. And it says here, what verse was that? Five? And then it goes on, he says, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. And it opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb was, who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. All about, I promise you this, if you study the book of Revelation... Do you want to know what one key theme is always mentioned in the book of Revelation? It starts with an E. We just read it. Endurance. Revelation is based on endurance. Endure, 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 endure. As we get ready to close, because I know it's getting late, and then next week we're going to get into the 70th week of Daniel. One of the things I was talking to one of the brothers in the church, I said this. Just, just try, to, try to follow with me for a second. Try to follow with me. Imagine we take this book of the end times. And we take the prophecies of Daniel and, and Jeremiah and, and the, book, the words of Jesus. And we go to a persecuted country right now, right now. I, I think I was even speaking to you guys about it. And we go over there right now today. We take a plane and we take over and we go to the persecuted place. And we start to preach to them about the times that are coming, the tribulation of the Antichrist. And these are people that have seen their very own wives 
People, men come in, bombard in, take their wives before them, do horrific acts before them to their wives, and then murder their wives, even their own children right before them. People that were tied up to trees and beaten and battered with scars all over them, starving, skinny, thirsty, dying for food and water. And then we come to them and say, Jesus is coming back. You need to prepare yourself. One day the rapture will come and the tribulation, and there will be this beast called the anti. And they will look at you with a stare in their eyes. And they will look at you and they'll say, what tribulation? What great danger are you talking about? See, and I look around and see that we are already in great danger. My wife was killed and other stuff before my eyes. My daughter right before me. My son, look at my scars. I'm dying any moment now. What great tribulation are you talking about? You see, this great tribulation, I don't think if we take this word to those people in persecuted countries, it's going to make much sense to them because they're already being extremely persecuted. Extremely persecuted. Extremely. And they're doing it all and they're enduring and they're, and they're standing strong for the name of Christ. But my question now to the believer is, if we were to come to those days and we were to maybe enter times like these, will you side with a world leader like an Antichrist? Will, will you lose your faith because, man, can't believe you didn't take me, God. Or will you endure like many are enduring today in many countries? Will you fight? Will you die to reign one day with Jesus? At the end of this verses, as he describes this beast, he says, here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. I love that. John is saying, the call is for you to endure. And to stay in faith. And, and that's the truth. The, the truth is, whether these days come now, come tomorrow, or never come upon me at least, my main call is to endure and to grow in my faith in Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen? When, when you read this passage and you jump into verse 11, it says the second beast. How many of you have already saw that already in your eyes? With your eyes, you saw the second beast? Anyone seen it yet? And who's the second beast? That's a, that's a whole other person that will be his wingman. And that is called the false prophet. There will be a man right next to him. Maybe it's a religious leader that will side with this political man. And this man, this prophet, will stand and prophesy and do things. And out of his mouth, miracles and signs and wonders. And people will be like, oh, look what they do. They're so magical. And the prophet will deceive many with the Antichrist and his authority and power. And many will side to them. And many will not endure. And many will lose their faith. Why do I mention that? Because I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for a people. But I believe it's a special people. It's called a bride. A bride who is beautiful without spot or without blemish. A bride who is holy before her, her groom. But can we be very honest today in church? We can't, never, we can't sugarcoat this stuff. We know very well that everyone that says they're believers of Christ doesn't mean that all of them are truly brides of Christ. Because I've met many people that say that they're believers of Jesus. But man, do they not, they do not live like they're in love with Jesus. Am I right or, or am I just blaspheming the word of God? Because I know that if, well, not if I'm married, <laughs> if I'm married to a woman, no. But if you say you're in love with someone, then one of your main goals is to what? To remain faithful to that in which you what? Love. And that's who Christ is coming back for. What do you think Paul says when I present the church before him? I want to present her as a chaste what? As an untouched what? What does he say? You can say the word. As a chaste virgin. That's beautiful. Think about that. A chaste virgin. A woman who's never been polluted, touched, mishandled. That's the bride. So I don't know who you are right now in this room. It's not to scare you or to bring fear. But it's to tell you that Christ is coming back. But he's coming back for a bride. A bride who is beautiful and is awaiting and is watchful and ready for her groom. Remember when I grabbed my cousin and I told you guys during Jesus' day what the groom and the bride does? That's what he's coming for. But I know wherever you stand as we end with, with, with rapture, the Bible is very clear, whether it's all Christians or some Christians. There are Christians that get left behind. 
We know that there are Christians, there are people that believe in God that go through the tribulation. Um, that's for sure. And many of those will die for Jesus. John talks about how he saw next to the throne those who were beheaded, for they did not take the mark of the beast, but they stood for the gospel. Okay? Now, John talks about them. What I want to make sure you understand is, I don't know where you're at, but we need to examine ourselves, recognize the days that we live in, and realize that we need to live in endurance and in faith. And there will be many in those days that get left behind and will not endure and will lose their faith and will side over with this beast, with this false prophet. And in that moment, it will be too late to repent. It will be too late. It's, it's going to be over. We've sided with the one that is my enemy, my adversary. Many will do it that day. Many will do it in those days. So wherever you stand today, I want you to recognize this. And I want you to see the wars. As we look at chapter 13, go back home. He says to make war against the saints. The Antichrist is going to make war against those who are in the tribulation. And he calls them saints. And he's going to conquer them to conquer them. That's important for us to recognize this. The Antichrist will make war against some who will be here in the tribulation who are believers of Jesus Christ for some reason are not up with Jesus yet. Guys, these are days. These, this is what it's going to look like. These are the times that are going to be happening. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be the worst days, days of distress like the earth has never seen ever in its time. Next week, We'll talk about the church and the tribulation and how we parallel with them. We'll jump into um, Daniel's 70th week, out willing, and we'll discuss some prophecies and how it relates to it. We'll discuss some of those seals of how uh, the outbreak that will come upon the earth during this tribulation as we just introduce the tribulation today and what's, how it's going to be like. It's going to be the worst days that this earth has ever felt. Amen? Um, if you're a believer... You, you're excited for these days. It's weird, man. I know. But you're excited for these days. You're excited. But if you're a believer, you're also worried for these days. Because there are many that we know that are not prepared. Amen? So we're excited for his coming. We're excited for these days. But we're worried for those that will not be present. So we need to remember that. I hope you're ready. Uh, any questions as, as we start to introduce the tribulation and we get ready just to dive into a little bit more deeper to, next week and stuff like that. We went into the rapture. We went over scripture, what the rapture is described as in scriptures. We went over that. You have that timeline. But anything real quick about the tribulation, maybe even about the Antichrist, um, some things about him that you want to discuss. And